Do you want me to provide context as to why we're here? Like who we are, how we're related to each other, those kinds of things. We just happen to have the same last name. I mean, <laughs> we're not really related. Yeah. Um. I'm Heidi Berkey. And I'm Rachel Goble. And this is the Ethical Storytelling Podcast. Boop, boop, boop. Gotta keep it fun. <laughs> So in today's podcast, this was one long conversation that we've broken into three kind of different themes. Uh, But in today's podcast, we're going to talk about the triangle um, of the donor, the need, and the NGO or the facilitator and kind of the relationship between those and the role that story as currency plays in that triangle of those relationships. So we'll see where it goes. So, okay, one of the interesting things that you have mentioned in the course of this conversation is the triangle imagery. Right. The donor need and facilitator or NGO. Right. Um, kind of creating a triangle relationship. Can you unpack a little bit more what that is just to set a foundation for it? Well, so many types of um, charity and philanthropy involve um, sort of a open-ended triangle. There's one link in that that's not closed. So for instance, if um, the three players in any kind of a um, making a difference in the world in, in this realm of nonprofits, the three players are the person who has the, the money to give, mm-hmm. the organization that's trying to raise it and then distribute it as wisely as they can, mm-hmm. and the recipient who has um, a need or a dream or an opportunity, whatever the case might be. And um, I've seen where the relationships that get neglected in that triangle are either between the nonprofit and the actual recipient. That's when you really get into some ugly dysfunction Mm -hmm. um, where the nonprofit's doing more harm than good. Um, but the other one that's often overlooked is between the donor and the recipient. Yeah. And that nonprofit organization or the NGO stands in the way of it. Right. It's sometimes not even intentionally. Uh, maybe they're trying to protect the, uh, the recipient, mm-hmm. which I, there are situations that make sense. Mm-hmm. But a really healthy situation is where there is true relationship between all three. Mm-hmm. And if you think of it as a triangle with lines connecting the three different groups, then um, that can be really healthy. The problem with it, of course, is that it introduces a third dimension. And it every relationship brings with it some dysfunction. So you're, you're, you're increasing the odds of dysfunction by 50%. Mm-hmm. But when you do it right, it is, it's miraculous. It really is for everybody involved. So... My first thought while you're talking is that there are huge power dynamics at play yes, here. Yes, yes. And so how in the world do you navigate those power dynamics and keep it healthy? It yeah. just feels impossible. It does feel impossible, and that's why so few people do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not impossible. It's just really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, for instance, if you have a, um, a single mom living in a developing world city, and really just needs a loan to uh, start a micro business. Um, let's say I have the $50 to help her get started. Mm-hmm. I lend it to um, choose your microfinance organization that you want, whatever, whoever it is. 
I'm not going to have a real relationship with that person right. for 50 bucks. And, and I think we all need to recognize that. There also is the reality that the power dynamics kick in. Mm-hmm. And my $50, which is, you know, for me at least, kind of uh, uh, not even a, a thought. It's not mm-hmm. a gift that matters to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and yet for that recipient, the single mom, it's gigantic. It's huge. So yeah, the power dynamics do come into play. And isn't this the responsibility of the nonprofit though, to carry that mm-hmm. and to find a way to navigate that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an area that nonprofits, NGOs, um, all of us mm-hmm. have failed. Yeah. So if I could use a kind of real life example of what our organization is thinking about and going through right now when it comes to this triangle is our child sponsorship program. and. Yeah. We're, we're changing it completely because I just don't feel like it aligns with our ethical storytelling values. And I'll unpack mm-hmm. a little bit about what that means yeah. maybe, and then feel free to I'd love to hear it. push back. <laughs> um, but what we're finding is that with a one-to-one model, yep. uh, there are a handful of issues that come out with that. One is that if that student has um, any uh, you know, sensitive information or for any reason their identity shouldn't be shared. Um, sure. That can create some question marks from the donor around transparency. Yep. And so then secondarily to that, we also have a lot of donors that just don't write their kids or right. Um, don't right. send gifts. And on the flip side, we have a lot of donors that send or at least want to send extravagant gifts and write, you know, a letter <laughs> five times right. a year and, um, so the imbalance of communication is is quite large and it creates a lot of jealousy amongst our students. Yep. Um, there's also times where students aren't sponsored um, and they, yeah. mm-hmm. again, right, have that feeling of being left out. And why is that? Am I, you know, not whatever, insert an adjective, cute enough, good enough, whatever. Right. Um, and so, and then we've also started realizing that um, because of the one-to-one model, uh, there are times where our students might be going through a difficult time and don't want to come forward because they don't want to disappoint. Yep. yep. And yep. so as we've wrestled with all of this and especially obviously having been thinking a lot about ethical storytelling and how we really live that out within our organization and trying to hold ourselves to the highest values and standards that we know possible, um, at least within the models that have been created and as we try to create new ones, what we've come to is moving towards more of a group model mm-hmm. um part of this will fit better mm-hmm. within thai culture yep. um, but it also allows for a little bit more anonymity in the group mm-hmm. um and for the students to come around each other in support of each other and then to report back um to a donor group so it's a group to group um and so you still are or communicating you're still receiving updates um about you know what students are up to what they might be wrestling with what their successes are if they've graduated um, but it provides a little bit, the transparency stays the same while also providing more of a safety net for the students. And so I go down that long spiel just to say, um, I guess when we talk about the, the, you know, donor need facilitator kind of triangle, um, are there ways in which we've created structures and have mainstreamed these structures that are actually potentially harmful to, the constituents and are more geared towards the donor. It's absolutely true that they can be harmful if it's not done properly. I would just get back to that's the responsibility of the nonprofit organization to find a way to make that work. So for instance, a sponsorship 
for one of the Freedom Story students is how much? Uh, it ranges forty-five to a hundred dollars a month, depending okay. on their level. That right. will change as well. So, and that that makes it really difficult because you're dealing with, say, a fifty-dollar a month donor right. that doesn't understand why is the student not writing me or or what's going on in their life that you're trying to hide from me. Sure, it makes it really difficult because you start investing hours and hours into that relationship. Yeah. Makes it tough. Yeah. Um. So I, I don't have an answer for that per se. Mm-hmm. Um. I would just say that the responsibility of the nonprofit is to uh, serve the people that you're dedicated to serving, but also serve the donors. Mm. I think there's a real responsibility there. Now, the yeah. thing I like about what you're doing is that there's this group dynamic that I, I completely understand why that fits the Thai culture. That makes yeah. so much sense to me. Yeah. Um, that you might even win me over with that argument. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, I do think that the individual donor mm-hmm. um, doesn't always expect this level of service mm-hmm. or education, but it can make a world of difference when you do it mm. um, to them. Sure. Um, and it, I mean, j- just being very Machiavellian here too, there's a long-term benefit. Mm-hmm. You're going to have a donor for life right. if you invest that kind of energy and time into it. Yeah. So I think... As we're talking about NGO structures and donor relations, I, the the means of communication at the base of these is typically story. Yeah. Right. And so that's even though it might seem like we're kind of getting way off track from ethical storytelling, it's actually directly on track with ethical storytelling mm-hmm. because we communicate in stories. And so how we're communicating the story of a sponsorship program or the stories that are in the letters that are being written or the stories in the newsletters that we send out. I think that that's at the the core of all of this, right? Right. And so on the website, when we were first kind of launching ethical storytelling, I started playing around with this idea of story as currency for an NGO because the way that an NGO shares its impact, the way that we build relationships with donors, the way we build relationships even with our constituents is through the sharing of stories because we're human. Right. And at some point along the journey, um, especially I think with the invention of the World Wide Web, uh, we have incredibly commoditized these (laughs) stories. Yes, we have. And so now we've become consumers rather than participators in these stories. Yeah. And so I don't even know where I'm going with this other than just to say that um, I think that there one just needs to be a, a heightened level of awareness around how we're telling those story stories um but then also recognize that the stories that ngos especially right as that facilitator are sharing in both directions right um are what is necessary for the organization to keep growing and to keep building relationships but how do you do that in such a way that invites participation doesn't just commodify i love the phrase that stories are a currency I think that's entirely true, and I think it's one of the unique things that um, ethical storytelling has has brought out for all of us to understand. And I think from um, a nonprofit point of view, we're often tempted, and we've talked about multiple examples already, we're often tempted to um, try to control the narrative. Right. The donor wants to hear the story about success, and um, so it's really tempting to to change the narrative. And um, uh, then that's what you're doing. You're corrupting the very currency 
that you're using as an organization. You lose all credibility. Well, and maybe I just haven't talked about this out loud enough, but I'm starting to get really uncomfortable with my own terminology of stories as currency. (laughs) 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 Because I really actually feel like the term should be stories should not be currency. Correct. And that's... I would agree with that. That's really what it is, is that we've turned stories into currency when... And that in and of itself is the problem. Yeah. And so the term really needs to be stories should not be currency. <laughs> Actually, that's how I always took it when you said it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's how, I think that is how I meant it, but also just as an organization, um, that's how you raise money, right? Yeah. Like you, yeah. And so it's, it's the currency that we, that we play with um, right. and communicate with. And uh, without stories, we don't have transparency. We don't have human connection. We don't have, um, the ability to change someone's mind or to mm-hmm. bring mm-hmm. nuance to an issue, like all of that is rooted in story. Right. And yet we've, again, we've, we've turned the story really into a marketing piece rather than a story. Right. Yeah. When I was focused entirely on building my business, um, you know, the, the currency in the business community is obvious. It's, it's money. Mm-hmm. If you have the money, you set the rules yeah. um, and you get the attention. Um, and that's the, the amount of zeros in your account is the currency. Yeah. When I started stepping into the nonprofit world as a board member and um, founder of a couple different organizations and that kind of thing, it was a real shock to me to find out how that wasn't nearly as important. And what was important was relationship. Hmm. Um, so where you use the word stories, mm-hmm. I would often use the word, 30 years ago, I would have used the word relationship. Yeah. Because the relationship between the non, it gets back to that triangle thing, the relationship between the nonprofit, the donor, and the recipient, mm-hmm. um, the, the, the currency between those is relationship. Yeah. Um, and that relationships are dysfunctional Mm -hmm. and stories can be twisted. Um, It's hard to know the difference between a true story and a false story. If you've never been to Thailand, sure. Uh, You just don't know. Yeah. Yep. And there's so many cases like that in the NGO world where, right. Because especially with, with actual oceans between you, (laughs) yeah. um, there's literally, unless you are already in the space of having these conversations and know other people that know that person or like there's more of a circle around the NGO. Right. Uh, it's almost impossible to know what's really going on. Um, which I think is again, why the whole ethical storytelling kind of conversation and having a baseline for the marketing content that we expect for an organization to put out right. is so important because that just doesn't exist. There's a wonderful book. Um, and I just went blank on the author, but the name of the book is The Culture Map. Mm-hmm. And it's designed for business people to understand the differences between the different cultures and how to how to work in a um, global community. Um, and she, she the, the author, who I really apologize, I can't remember her name, um, talks about the oceans being a separation, mm. but the oceans are also sort of a metaphor for the cultural differences um, that exist between all of us. Um, so there's stories can be mistranslated because of the oceans, but also in a dramatic way because of the cultural differences. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I agree. That's our show for today. Thanks for taking time to listen and explore what it means to ethically tell stories. 
Make sure to visit ethicalstorytelling.com for more practical resources on ethical storytelling, including blog posts, new podcasts, and upcoming webinars. And most of all, please tell your friends about ethical storytelling. It's small and a labor of love, and we all do this because we want to see change. So help us spread the word with your friends and family. Before we say goodbye, we'd love to thank everyone that helped out on the show this week. You all, the listeners, for tuning in. Kyle Hara for editing each episode. Lauren Ellis for web support. And music by Broke for Free. We'll see you next week.